Before we get into the album analysis, if you like the podcast, please subscribe. If you haven't already done so, please leave a review on iTunes. Positive reviews and subscriptions help other KISS fans to find this podcast. If you have any comments, you want to provide any feedback, you can reach me at psychocircuspodcast at gmail.com. That's psychocircuspodcast at gmail.com. You can also follow me on Twitter. I'm at RyoV on Twitter. That's at R-Y-O-V-I-E on Twitter. For today's communication, there's a a couple of things I want to get to. First being, we are, as of this recording, we are 10 days away from the very first show of the Farewell Tour. So I'm excited about that, looking forward to that, and wanted to give a heads up. Um, When that show is done, I know the set list will be posted somewhere, so I do plan to go through the set list. I don't know if I'm going to do a bonus episode a separate episode uh, picking apart the set list for the farewell tour. Knowing me, I probably will. But if I don't, I'm definitely going to talk about it um, during the today's communication for one of these podcasts. So just wanted to give you a heads up. If you don't want to know what the set list is before you go to the show, um, I will provide a spoiler warning and let you know, you know, how much approximately you should fast forward through uh, to skip that. And if it's its own bonus episode, obviously I'll put that in the show notes. And basically you can stay away from that episode until you get to the show. But uh, 10 days out and, you know, Paul tweeted that uh, rehearsals are going well. They're very excited and that, you know, this is going to be the best Kiss show ever. And of course, they, they say that before every tour, before every concert. So, you know... Take that with a grain of salt, but I'm hopeful. I'm excited. I'm hoping. I'm hoping beyond hope that we really are going to get some amazing tunes for this farewell show. We're going to get some songs that, you know, haven't been played in a super long time or haven't been played at all. I am holding out hope for that. So we'll see. That remains to be seen. But in uh, ten days, eleven days, if you will, you know, by the time the set list is posted and checked. Um, the tour opens in Vancouver on the West Coast, on the East Coast, so probably be the uh, the 1st of February, maybe even the 2nd of February before I get my hands on a posted set list. But I'm hopeful, and I'm excited, and I'm hoping, you know, really, really good things for this upcoming Farewell Tour set list. So, that remains to be seen. Um, but, I have a question for you. Um, how many shows do you plan to attend now that we know there's two u.s legs of the farewell tour how many shows do you plan to attend and the second part of that question is how far will you be traveling to see one of these shows so for me personally i i currently have tickets for two shows 
I plan to attend two shows. I hope to attend four. I may attend two more during the summer. And right now, the farthest I'm traveling is about two hours away. Um, I'm going to hit a show down in Philadelphia. And I have tickets for the Madison Square Garden show in New York City. So those are the two shows I'm attending. If I go to the Hartford show which um, I'm trying to work out something with a buddy of mine that we may go to the Hartford show. If I do go to that show, then that'll be the furthest that I travel, and that's about two and a half hours for me, approximately, to get to Hartford. So, But that's my question to you. Send me an email, psychocircuspodcast at gmail.com, or if it's easier for you to just shoot a quick tweet, Hit me up on Twitter, RyoV on Twitter, and let me know how many shows you plan to attend and what's the furthest you plan to attend uh, one of the farewell tours. What's the furthest distance you're going to travel to attend one of those farewell tours? And, um, you know, I'll see the results as they come in and uh, doing a, a follow-up as, as the tour gets into full swing. And uh, maybe I'll see you at one of the shows if you're going to the Garden or Philly or possibly Newark, New Jersey or Hartford, Connecticut or wherever else I may end up. All right, so let's get into the album analysis. And today's album is Second Sighting, which is the second official release. Well, I shouldn't say it that way. It's the second full-length release by Freely's Comet. It's actually their third official release after the debut album and Live Plus One, that little live EP that had the uh, one bonus studio track that we did a couple episodes ago. Um, actually ended 2018 with that episode. So now we're into Second Sighting, which is the second full-length album by Freely's Comet, and also the last full-length album by Freely's Comet. And we'll get into that a little bit more as this episode rolls on. So this album was released on May 24th, 1988, on Megaforce Atlantic Records. And the band members for this album are as follows. Ace Freely on guitars and vocals. Todd Howarth on guitars, keyboards, and vocals. John Reagan on bass guitar and backing vocals. And Jamie Oldacker on the drums. And this album was produced by Ace Freely and Scott Mabucci. If again, if I, hopefully I'm pronouncing that right, uh, M-A-B-U-C-H-I, so I think it's Mabuchi, could be Mabuchai, Mabuchai, um, but I'm going to go with Scott Mabuchi, and apologies if I butchered that. Uh, they don't come with pronunciation keys. The track listing for Second Sighting is as follows. The album opens with the song Insane, followed by Time Ain't Running Out, Dancing with Danger, It's Over Now. Loser in a Fight, Juvenile Delinquent, Fallen Angel, Separate, New Kind of Lover, and the album wraps up with The Acorn is Still Spinning. <clears throat> Excuse me. Taking a look at the album cover. As far as album covers go, this one's pretty cool. It, it's similar to the first album cover, only this time it appears that the comet is directly over the Earth. Uh, the Earth portrayal takes up a huge portion of the photo. And if you allow yourself to, you, you can get lost in the stars and the realm of outer space. It, it's quite mesmerizing. And I think the reason I like this album cover is because in high school, I was such a space geek. I was a science nerd. I was a space geek. I loved all things space exploration and, you know, the wonders of the vastness of space, um, 
So I think that's what kind of attracted me to this album cover. Um, but as cool as I think the album cover it is, it is kind of bland when I look at it through someone else's eye. I could see how it would just kind of seem plain and pedestrian. Uh, the Freely's Comet logo is to the upper left of the album cover, and the title of the album, Second Sighting, is in all caps with a white font to the right and slightly above the comet. Plain, simple, simple, peaceful. That is the album cover in a nutshell. It, uh, it portrays a simple message and follows the theme of the original album cover. Now, sadly, this would be the last album cover we would ever see from Freely's Comet. There's another cover for Live Plus One, but that's really just a picture of Ace and his guitar. And we'll get into that when we cover that release uh, in an upcoming episode. Uh, the band would split up not too long after the release of this record and kind of go their separate ways, and they would reunite many, many, many years later for uh, one, one-off, two-off concerts, but that was it. This was the last official release that we got from Freely's Comet. And look, while their debut album was massive and amazing and really a must-own for KISS fans, Second Sighting is nowhere near that good. I, I would say that only the diehard fans really need to own this album. It's, it's not the greatest of records, and it, it's it, honestly, it's one that I almost never listen to. I mean, it's not in Peter Criss' solo album category, but it's near the bottom of the barrel. You know, if, if again, one day when I rank all my favorite albums and I list them out from first to last, Second Sight is going to fall really towards the bottom of albums listened to. I just, I don't listen to it. I, I haven't listened to it until I needed to for this episode. I probably hadn't listened to it since college, maybe. Maybe. So, I mean, that's going back 20 years now. So, yeah, probably been a good 20 years since I listened to the entire album. I'd play a song here or there. There's a couple of songs on here that I really enjoy. So, I'd, I'd play a song or two every now and again. But the last time that I sat down to listen to the entire album from start to finish prior to doing it to refresh my memory for this particular episode of the Psycho Circus podcast, it's probably been... A good 20 years. I don't own this on CD. I only have a cassette version and it's a dubbed one. I had that. I borrowed this from a friend back in high school. Um, always saying, you know, I'm going to get my own copy one day. But the album, it just never overtook me, right? And that, when you're young and you don't have a lot of money, this is how we found out which albums we should actually spend our cash on. You borrow them from a friend, you dub them, and if you really like them, you go out and you buy them. And if you really, really like them, you go out and you buy them on CD, because CDs were a couple bucks more than cassettes back in the day. So if if I was going to own something on CD, I had to really commit in high school, because I always had the option of a cassette tape or the CD, so it just really depends, all right, how much am I going to listen to this? And, and in the case of Second Sighting, I never even got the cassette version. I just, like I said, I had the dubbed version that I borrowed from a friend. So um, the album just never, it never really took me by force. And unfortunately, re-listening to it as part of this exercise it didn't help make it any better. I was hoping that maybe I had forgotten a few of the songs and they were going to turn out to be really, really good gems and I would reconnect and, and be very happy that you know I could re-listen to this album again over and over because I, I rediscovered some greatness. But 
honestly that didn't happen and it could be another 15 or 20 years before I listen to this entire album uh, once again before I listen to this album in its entirety once again so uh, a lot of there weren't a lot of lost classics to revisit uh, there weren't a lot of songs that I was overly ecstatic to revisit I just I kind of after listening to it two or three times I just was kind of left feeling meh you know, just yeah, meh, meh. Average, below average, really. It's it's there. It's it's okay. There are you know two or three really good songs, and then the rest are just okay or subpar or or downright not good, right? So that's uh, hey, look, it happens. Not every album that I re-listen to on this journey is is going to be one that I immerse myself in and that I, re- I find out, wow, I really should have been listening to this more and more throughout the years. You know, Vinnie Vincent Invasion, both of those albums fall into that category. I have since listened to both of those albums multiple times and All Systems Go lately has become my go-to when I'm not sure what to listen to. I'll just throw that in and let it play. So a lot of good has come out of this journey, but there are times, like this particular episode, when not so good happens and and you know that's what we're stuck with and it's unfortunate but not everyone's going to be a winner not every episode not every album i should say is going to be a lost gem or a lost classic and sometimes you just got to go through the motions and so here uh, you know this is this is my opinionated uh, analysis on second sighting and uh, some of it's going to be harsh but you know, I expect more from my heroes, and this one just didn't didn't live up to speed. It didn't come up to snuff, and I don't know if it's because there was less time for Ace to work on the material, whereas, you know, with the debut album, he had plenty of time to work on the material and really flesh it out and really make sure every single strong song was super strong. Um, didn't have as much time for the follow-up release. I don't know if that was part of it, if, you know, drugs were involved, if the band members just weren't that into it the second time around. I don't know how you can go from Freely's Comet debut release to Second Sighting. Um, and just from a musician level, you know, from a level of effort, from a level of, uh, you know, comfort in what you're doing and and excitement about what you're doing i don't know how you go from that really high bar threshold that was freely's comet to this to second sighting and so i guess you know hey look let's get into the song breakdown and and you'll see exactly what i'm talking about as far as you know a lot of this is just it's garbage so the title track or title track the first track rather the opening track if you will is insane and this was written by Ace Freely and sung by Ace Freely and insane gets things going for album number 2 but it lacks the punch of Rock Soldiers which was the opener for the debut album now I know I know it's not fair to compare and that each album should be taken as an individual piece for the time that it was done but I I can't help it. Freely's Comet set the bar very high with their first record, and thus the second one—it's just—it's being put under the microscope. 
it's not fair. I know, but when the bar threshold is that high, that's what you have now to compare it to. And and the reason for that is because as fans, we want the band to progress and grow. We want the next album to be better than the last one, or at least as good. We want this band to follow the same path that Kiss did years before. Release three quality albums out of the gate, and really get the fans excited. And while Insane is an okay song, perhaps a little better than okay, it's a decent song with some good riffs, it just isn't exceptional. And it's a little narcissistic, too. Lyrics, I got money, I got fame, I got everything to play this game, but it doesn't matter, because I'm insane. I live five days to your one, and you know it's true. Well, bully for you. Are you trying to rub the fans' noses in it? I never quite understood what Ace was trying to say with these lyrics. And and being insane isn't the same as being the space ace. If insane was called Alien and the song was about trying to fit in with people of Earth, I think it would be a better song. But telling me how awesome you are... But that, that it doesn't matter that you're awesome because you're crazy. Well, that's not really the kind of song that I can get behind. And musically, it's okay. Lyrically, it's not so great. And overall, it's it's below average. It's a below average song, which really is not not a great way to start the record. But when you see the collection of songs we're working with, something had to open. So why not insane? Next up is Time Ain't Running Out, and this was written by Todd Howarth and sung by Todd Howarth. And this is Todd's first song on the record, and it's not much better than Ace's first song on the record. After two songs, it's easy to see why this band didn't last much longer after the release of Second Sighting. Time Ain't Running Out is another okay song. It has a very structured 80s sound, including a keyboard and a mid-song guitar solo. Unfortunately, the solo is pretty weak, and the song isn't any stronger. This song is apparently about a cheating girlfriend who may also have been emotionally abusing. The lyrics never come right out and state it, but there are enough implications that we can believe it to be true. Now, sadly, the lyrics the lyrics are just a jumbled mess. There's no real flow to them. They're choppy. They're spread out. They're more like jumbled thoughts jotted down on a piece of paper and less like actual song lyrics. And the opening line of Monday morning, the sun wasn't out, you were lazy, it isn't really conjuring up any images. There's a mention of a fight from the night before, but it's hazy. Then we get into the chorus of time ain't running out, you hurt me for the last time. Well, if it's the last time, wouldn't time be running out? Or wouldn't have time run out completely? If it's the last time, then I think time did run out. Maybe the song should have been called Time Is Running Out, or Time Ran Out. Whatever the title, it's clear by the end of the song that Todd is leaving and and maybe the girl will remember his voice, or, or maybe she won't. It's more jumbled garbage. Ultimately, what won't be remembered is this song. It's pretty bad and not one worth listening to multiple times. So I doubt, I doubt if I will ever purposefully listen to this song again. Next up is Dancing with Danger. And this was written by Ace Freely and Dana Strum. 
and it was sung by Ace Freely. Now, I love instances like this where little pockets of the KISS universe come together unexpectedly. Now, Dana Strum, as, as many of you may recall or know, was the bassist for Vinnie Vincent Invasion before he went on to be in Slaughter with Mark Slaughter. Him and Mark Slaughter form Slaughter. So seeing Vinnie's bassist and Ace Freely team up to write a song, is it's one of the cool little things that I love to geek out over, right? These little pockets in the universe coming together just really make me happy. Now sadly, that is the only cool part of the song because the tune is a bust. It starts with a promising little riff from Ace, but that's about all the good that will come out of this song. Ace's vocals sound strained and forced. The music is pretty bland and repetitive. And the, the song isn't much of a force. Frozen fingers on a cocoa wheel. That, that's how the song starts. What does that even mean? Frozen fingers on a cocoa wheel. What, what does that mean? I get the dancing with danger part. And, and the song is apparently about a car chase down the highway and how dancing with danger is not a good thing. Now, per- perhaps Ace was trying to another, grab another rock soldiers with this song and, and show how tough it can be and how dangerous his life was when he was doing the things that he shouldn't have been doing. Or maybe he just thought these were cool lyrics to jot down and that all the kids would get behind the dancing with danger theme. Now, whatever the thought process was, it, it didn't work out. Dancing with danger is a bust. Now look, we're three songs into the record, and I've yet to hear something redeeming on this album. It's it's honestly no wonder why I haven't listened to this record in so long. Uh, next track is It's Over Now. This was written by Todd Howarth and sung by Todd Howarth, and it it's mandatory ballad time. Now by this point in the 80s, Every metal album had to have a power ballad, or it probably wasn't going to sell very well. Now, yes, there were exceptions to this rule. Anthrax and Iron Maiden come to mind immediately. But for the most part, if you were metal, especially glam metal, you had to have a power ballad. And Freely's Comet was glam metal, just as Kiss had morphed into glam metal by this time. And while it's the best song on the record so far... It's Over Now is far from fantastic. It's a good ballad, but it's not great. It lacks a lot of punch that makes a power ballad so grand. The theme of the song is a nice one, though. It's it's a true love song about staying together. The chorus confirms this with the line, You will never hear me say... It's over now. So while the title may make us think that it's a breakup, you know, there's a breakup on the way and it's a breakup song, it's, it's actually the opposite that is happening. You will never hear me say the words that it's over now. So this song is about the girl that is concerned. She's worried that the guy is going to leave. There's a fear inside her and that's causing her to hold back and not give all of the love and all of the effort that she can in the relationship. Now, perhaps she's been hurt before. I mean, hey, who hasn't? This was the 80s. We all got hurt. (laughs) And thus, she's probably afraid to fully commit. But the guy, Todd in this case, he wrote songs, I'm assuming it's Todd. He's reassuring her. He's reassuring the girl that he is there for the long run, and he doesn't plan on going anywhere. It's, It's a nice sentiment. The song is only two verses and a chorus that's sung twice, so lyrically it's short. It's short on lyrics, but like I said, it's the best one on the record so far. Now, 
this would be considered a decent ballad, but decent is the most praise I can give it. With a, with a little more structure and a little more creativity, I think this could have been an awesome song, but, but by this point, I have a feeling that Fearless Comet was, they were just kind of going through the motions of making a record. I don't see any real effort in any of the songs, and any of the songs so far. And, and we're almost halfway through the album. We're four songs into a ten-song album, and it is ten songs. Let me double check. Maybe it's nine. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, ten. We're four songs into a ten-song album. We're 40% through the album, and I just haven't seen a real effort put into any of it. You know, on the first album, every song was an effort. You knew that. You could tell. They really worked as hard as they could to make it magnificent. On the second album, not so much. Again, I think they just they went through the motions to say, here's our second album, we fulfilled our record contract, whatever they needed to do. But they just it wasn't in them the way the debut was. Alright, next up is Loser in a Fight. This was written by Todd Howarth and John Reagan, and sung by Ace Freely and Todd Howarth. Now, here's what's cool about this song. Todd and Ace trade vocals, which is very reminiscent to the way early Kiss had some songs where their members traded vocals. Now, unfortunately, that is all that is cool about this song, because this, this is a terrible song. There's so much wrong with Loser in a Fight that I don't even know where to begin. It doesn't have a pronounced guitar solo. That That's one area where it falls short. Todd's voice sounds like he got kicked in the nads before singing, so that's another area where it falls short. The lyrics don't really make any sense, which is starting to become a theme with this album. It's, it's another mix of mumbo-jumbo. I'm sure there, that there was a central theme to the lyrics, or, or at least that Ace and Todd thought there was a central theme when they wrote the lyrics, but it doesn't jump out at me in the least. It's just... It's just garbage. Lyrically, musically, and all otherly, this song sucks. There's really no other way to put it. And it's a shame because I wanted to like this song. And mostly because I'm running out of chances for Ace to deliver a good song. I mean, this album, halfway through, this album is starting to reach a Peter Chris level of terrible. And that that's not good for anyone. It really isn't. So maybe... Just maybe the next song will bring us some hope. And the next song is Juvenile Delinquent. And this was written by Ace Freely and sung by Ace Freely. And this this is one of the first really good songs on the album. And it doesn't even show up till side two. If you have a compact disc, the second half. That's a little too late to have the first really memorable song appear. But I guess we take what we can get, right? Now, the first verse is a little slow, but the hook is good, and, and the message is strong. And, and at this point, the bar has been lowered anyway. Juvenile Delinquent is a strong song with a grand message of doing what you want to do and living out your dreams without anyone teasing you or telling you you're wrong or you're dumb or you're stupid. You have to be yourself, and you have to follow your dreams. The one line I really like is, life's too short, you gotta realize, the days go by, turn into years. 
Days turning into years is such a true and powerful message. But when you're a teenager, that that you know that message is lost. Youth truly is wasted on the young, and they they won't realize it until they are old. It's it's the same sad cycle over and over and over again. What I what I find odd about this song is that. Ace appears to be singing to a 16-year-old girl, telling her that it's okay to be a rock star, that part I'm good with, but also telling her to disobey her parents, screw the world, raise your fist, do what you want to do, and just rock out. He also throws out she's not a kid no more, and, and she's she's looking good these days. Now, okay, hold on. There's so much to pick apart here that I don't even know where to start. It sounds to me like Ace is hitting on a 16-year-old girl and encouraging her to disobey her parents. Now, I'm all for the live out your dreams message. I'm all for don't let the days turn into years because then before you know it, life has passed you by. I'm all for that. But I don't like to cause a rift. I don't like the cause a rift between you and your parents message. I don't like the message that says, you know, screw your parents, go against their wishes. I don't like that. And I also don't like fantasizing over a 16-year-old girl. So while this may be the first really good song on the record, it does come at a cost. And, and I'm really seeing why I haven't listened to this record in a long time and why I'm probably not going to listen to this entire record um, for a long time, time to come, if at all. So we get our first good song, and it's it's botched at best, botched delivery at best. All right, next up is Fallen Angel. And this was written by Todd Howarth and sung by Todd Howarth. And no, this is not a cover of the hit song by Poison, because that would be much, much better, in my opinion. What this is, is another bad song on a record that is already filled with bad songs. Fallen Angel took anything that was good from the previous song and really made us completely forget it. This song, is it's rough, it's not enjoyable, it's, it's just plain bad. Todd Howarth, whose voice I usually like, sounds like a wailing cat on this song. There's, there's no other way to put it. His, oh, 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 fallen angel, it just, it sounds terrible. The lyrics are short, they're nondescript. I'm not even, I'm truly, I'm not even sure what this song is about. I, I really don't even know what this song is about. There there seems to be a bit of anger in there. Todd trying to tell some girl to stick it. He wishes she would fall and or be a fallen angel. But it's hard to tell. And, and to be honest, I'm not sticking around long enough to give it too much thought. This This song isn't worth that much effort because it just it just isn't that good. This this is the definition of a skip song, right? And I, I it's rare that I find a skip song on a Kiss album or a Kiss related album. This is a skip song. 
And so, I know I had to listen to it a couple times for this episode. I know I had to have some notes to to discuss this song in a little detail. Kind of give you some feedback. I'm assuming that's why you listen to this program. You want to know about these songs on these albums that you might have forgotten about. But really, the net net to the net is just skip this song. If you haven't listened to this album in a while and you're pulling it out because you, you, you heard, you know, you're listening to this episode of the podcast and you're like, oh, yeah, let me pull that one out. You're listening along at home, basically, right? Which, if you are, thank you. That's the ultimate compliment to me. Um, but if you are, let me give you a piece of advice. Just when a fallen angel comes up, just hit skip. Don't even listen to the opening lines, the opening notes. Just just hit skip. You'll thank me later. Um, but you may not know you didn't want to thank me until you actually listen to the song, in which case, then I'm just going to say, I told you so. <laughs> All right, Fallen Angel, moving on. Next up is Separate. This was written by Ace Freely and John Reagan, and it's sung by Ace Freely. And finally, finally, that's me applauding. Finally, a memorable song that doesn't come with any baggage. This is only the second solid song on the record, but it's the first one that doesn't make me feel sleazy for liking it. It's got a nice, slow, bump-and-grind intro that leads into a powerful chorus. We've got to separate the men from the boys. Don't hesitate. Be a man. Although now that I'm examining it a little more, the, the chorus does have some does have some does have some creepy lines too. Grab a hold of your girl and give her everything you can. If you can penetrate, she'll make you feel like a man. Hmm. All right. No innuendo there. Nope. Not at all. Well. I guess we've come to expect that from a Kiss or Kiss-related song by now, so it really should come as no surprise. Now, Ace gives a pretty good solo for this song, certainly the best one on this record. And and while the lyrics are lacking, and, and they're borderline rape lyrics, honestly, the song does bring an enjoyment overall on an album that really hasn't produced any joy, because it hasn't produced any good songs. So we have to take this song as a win. And it's a, it's a it's a good song. It's not a great song. It's a good song. Separate isn't a song that you say is good just because all the other songs are crap. Separate, it's a good song. If it was on Freely's Comet debut album, I would say, okay, it belongs here. It's it's a good, good enough song. It can hold up. It would be one of the weaker ones on that album, but it'd be, still be a good song. You know, here, where the bar is so low, Separate rises to best song on the album status, and and it's only a good song, which is is a shame. It would be a good song on any Ace album. It would be a good song on its own, a good song with, you know, some suggestive lyrics, but it's just, I don't know. Again, the album is so bad that it elevates a song like Separate. And maybe under different circumstances, maybe I wouldn't think Separate's such a good song. But because of the series of songs it's contained in, the you know, the album that it was placed on, it's it's better. Maybe it sounds better than it is. I don't know. I don't know. Separate, it, it's the best one on the album, that's for sure. But even this song, I don't know how often I'm going to seek it out after this, right? 
it was just sad. It's just just sad. I want I want this stuff to be good. Obviously, I always want whatever Kiss or Kiss related band members do. I want it to be good, but it's not happening here. But anyway, separate good song, memorable song. Um, just not not a great song. Not a fabulous song. Uh, next up is New Kind of Lover, and this is written by Todd Howarth and sung by Todd Howarth, and I'm actually surprised because it's now two good songs in a row. Now, it, it is too little too late, but hey, at least there are two songs that I can listen to back-to-back without having to hit skip. New Kind of Lover is an interesting song that tells you about its supernaturalism flat out. The last line of the chorus states, I don't want to know that she's a ghost. So the question, or questions, then become, is Todd having sex with a ghost? Is Todd fantasizing about having sex with a ghost? Is Todd remembering someone from his past and pleasuring himself to the memory? Well, she is a new kind of lover that makes love like no other. So I would have to say... That the song is about Todd having sex with a ghost. That's kinky, and it's odd, and I'm not quite sure why someone would write about that. But, but hey, what do I know? You know, maybe maybe Todd had a thing for ghosts. This was the late '80s. Weird fetishes were in vogue. We had two Ghostbusters movies by that time. Perhaps one of them inspired him. I, I don't know for sure. But I do know that Todd wrote a song about having relations with a ghost. Think about that. And if you are going to play the Listen Along at Home game, listen to this track first. It's A, it's one of the better ones, and B, it's definitely the weirdest. So you can uh, dive right into the oddness of it all and, and see what you think. Alright, next up is the last song on this album, and that is The Acorn is Spinning. Now, this is written by Ace Frehley and and John Reagan. So, written by Ace Frehley and John Reagan. Sung sung by... Technically, it's not sung by anyone. Technically, it's an instrumental, but there are spoken words by Ace. So, the spoken part is by Ace. So... This this is the instrumental to end the record. And at this point, it had kind of become Ace's signature to end his albums with an instrumental piece. His first solo album, While Still in Kiss, brought us Fractured Mirror. The first Freely's Comet album brought us Fractured 2. And now this record brings us The Acorn is Spinning. Now, although it's not a true instrumental, as I said, Ace has a lot of spoken words throughout it. It still has the instrumental flair and style with Ace's guitar dominating the entire song and and doing it well. Ace shows off his ability here and he reminds us all why, why he's the Ace. Great guitar work throughout the song, and it's just, it makes me want to play air guitar in my living room. And that that's that's meant as a very high compliment. Whenever I hear a song that makes me want to play air guitar, I know it's a good song. Now, this song itself, it's about a fixed fight. Like I said, Ace does all the spoken parts, and there are phone calls made about taking bets and putting a lot of money on the acorn. And then there's a call that states the acorn goes down in the third, which which is ultimately what happens. 
fights. Now, boxing was huge back then, and fixed fights were a common thing. Now, these days with big prize money and UFC being all the rage, you know, fixed fighting may not happen as much. I'm not as into the sport as I used to be, only because I'm not a UFC. Yeah, UFC. I'm not a UFC fan. I was always more of a boxing guy, and boxing has pretty much taken a back seat these days to UFC. So I don't keep up with the sport like I used to. But I think that fixed fighting doesn't happen as much as it did back then, um, you know, because of the big prize money. They don't need to fix the fight because these guys are going to get a few hundred thousand, a couple million dollars anyway. So, you know, they, they're, they're comfortable with that. They want to keep their good name. You know, but back then, back, back in the 80s and the late 80s, it was a real thing. Fixed fighting was a real thing with a lot of money exchanging hands. And, and even if it didn't happen as frequently as my memory wants to remember it, it was, it was all over the movies with almost every other boxing movie being about a fixed fight and how easy it would be to fix the fight so that the bookies could all make a ton of doubt. And then the fighters do, presumably. Now, I think I would like this song more if it was just a pure instrumental and the dialogue wasn't part of it, if the dialogue was taken out of it and Ace just went pure instrumental like he did on Fractured Mirror and Fractured 2. It's entertaining, I guess. But really, the true star of the song is the guitar work. And Ace, Ace should have just left it at that. And I've often wondered, is there a version of this song out there without the dialogue? Because obviously he didn't play the guitar and speak while he was doing it. He played the entire song through, and then they dubbed in the dialogue parts. So there's got to be a version out there with no dialogue, and I would love to hear that and compare and contrast the two versions. I think the pure instrumental would be the better piece, but I, I guess we'll never know. Like I've, I've sought out demo versions of this song. I haven't come across anything. You know, maybe one day we'll be gifted with an Ace Freely box set, and you know, maybe there's a song on there, or maybe there's a, a demo out there of this song without the spoken words that could end up on the box set. I mean, you know, you never know. You hold out hope and all that good stuff. Or maybe one day a demo will just show up that I can get my hands on, but. For now, I haven't been able to find one, but I, I am curious to know uh, you know, what it would sound like without the spoken word. So, hey, if you, if you know of a demo version of The Acorn is Spinning with no lyrics, no spoken words, please, please, by all means, reach out to me. PsychoCircusPodcast at gmail.com, RyoV on Twitter. Let me know where I might be able to find that. Maybe it's on YouTube and I just didn't come across it. You know, Maybe it has a totally different title. I don't know. I don't know, but if you know of one, let me know, and um, I'll love you forever, and I'll give you a thousand bonus Psycho Circus points. Alright, that's that's going to do it for this episode. Like I said, hey, sorry, they're, they're not all winners, right? And this album, this album was not a winner. This album was a dud. Uh, I, there's no other way to put it. This, this album was a dud, and I, I wish it could have been better. I wish it could have been better for all of us, but look, we know now, we move on. And, and, you know, that's the way it is. That's that. Thank you, as always. Thank you for listening. If you have a comment you want to share, you got something you want to get off your chest, you want to uh, share some ideas, you, you know, you've got uh, thoughts for upcoming episodes, anything at all, anything you want to contribute, reach out to me, psychocircuspodcast at gmail.com. Uh, if you haven't already done so, please be sure to go to iTunes and leave a review or wherever you get your podcasts and leave a review. Every review helps. 
And uh, if you haven't done so already, please subscribe. Subscribe to the podcast. Reviews and subscriptions help raise this podcast and allow other fans to find it um, in search algorithms. So. And spread the word, of course. By all means, spread the words. Tell friends. Tell two friends to tell two friends and so on and so forth. And maybe one day everybody... Every KISS fan in the world will be listening to the Psycho Circus podcast. And don't forget to follow me on Twitter at RyoV. All the latest podcast updates and KISS news, especially with the tour coming up, I'm sure there will be a lot of KISS-related tweets in the next couple of months. All right, be sure to tune in next time where I cover another Freely's Comet release, which will also be their last official release. And that is live plus four. And until then, the carnival has just begun.